I um, <clears throat> want to share a few things with you uh, today. You know, um, when it comes to prayer, now we have prayer this Thursday night, and we're really excited about our prayer times because it's really more than just prayer time. It's a combination of prayer, declaration, confession, and, and prophetic. And most times, uh, the Lord will use us for a, a prophecy will come forth, a word of knowledge, or, or something on those lines to bless our families, to bless us as a church or a country, however God does it that night. And so you never know. I love it with God. It's like getting those box of chocolates, and you never, if you don't have the, the, the back of the box, and those, you just got to try each one to see which one you like, and every one you absolutely love, and that's kind of the way it is with the, the prayer nights. It's just, you just can't pick them. They're all special and all unique in their own right. So, but with that said, um, this isn't about my message, but it's something I've been thinking a lot about, and that is when it comes to prayer. I truly believe we're not we're not we're not asking big enough. We're not thinking big enough. Uh, we serve a God who's more than enough and can meet every single one of our needs. Needs is no issue for God whatsoever. And so I think we need to start moving into the realm that we start really pushing ourselves in faith. To not just think small, and if God could just give me this, I'd be happy, but think in terms of, of God wants to do something grandiose in our lives. And, and when you tell the people, they're going to think you're nuts. They'll think you're nuts, but you know you're working something out with God. Genesis 12.2 says this. Genesis 12.2 says, I will make you a great nation. This is a promise from God to us. I will bless you. Everybody say, he will bless me. And make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. The title of my message this morning is Too Blessed to be Stressed. Come on, somebody. Too Blessed to be Stressed. Father, we love you. We honor you, Lord God, and your presence felt in this place, Lord God, has been so wonderful, Lord God, and I know that you do have something prophetic and profound for every single believer here today, Lord God, and those at the sound of my voice that are watching by way of our online campus. We know, Father God, something is up in the realm of the Spirit, Lord God, and we take it very seriously, and we give you praise and glory for that, Lord God, and, and illuminate to us the things that we need to know, and Lord God, also break off the things we no longer need traditional mindsets and thinking, Lord God, so that we start thinking more enlarged on another scale altogether, another realm of possibility altogether. We pray in Jesus' mighty name, and the church said a big amen and amen and amen. Hallelujah. Galatians chapter 3, you don't need to turn there. We're going to turn to several different things. If you have a Bible, if you have advice, you can go that way or you can just watch our screens. But um, uh, it's a very profound uh, book in itself, but one of the ways it makes it so profound is the way that it ties the old to the new. It ties our new birth experience in Jesus Christ with those things that were taught of old. And for one, one of those things is that Galatians chapter 3 nails it by saying that we have been engrafted into the family of God by way of Jesus Christ. So the first family was through a man named Abram, who later his name, God changed his name to Abraham, a father of a nation. Um, and, and by the way, there's a lot of, there's a lot of incredible uh, revelation with that. And, uh, and they, they became the Jewish people or the Israelis today. And so uh, they're a very special chosen people unto God. But then by way of Jesus Christ, Jesus said, I'm not going to die just for one nation. I'm not dying just for uh, the Jews. I'm going to die for the whole wide world. And so the rest of the Gentile world could actually know who 
he is who, and who God is and actually bridge the gap because there was no way that a man could ever have a relationship with God before Jesus Christ except if you were the Jewish people and only they could only have that kind of relationship once a year by way of a priest that would go into the Holy of Holies and make an offering or atonement for the sin of, the, of mankind and then God would do that and he would, there would be the, the Shekinah glory would fill that, that tabernacle a very special time but that was once a year for a special group of people called the priests and nobody else could ever have that. Well, Jesus came and he bridged the gap. So that the Bible says that when Jesus, this is so profound and so awesome, and this is historically true, that when Jesus died on the cross of Calvary, the Bible says the rock split where he was. And the Bible also says that the, the, that the, uh, the, the, the uh, curtain, that the veil that separated the Holy of Holies from the inner court of, of, of the tabernacle was torn in two from top to bottom, from God to man. What happened then? God stepped out of that place once and for all. He would no longer be known as, a, uh, as the God inside the Ark of the Covenant, but he would now step out to the whole world. And anybody who come by way of Jesus Christ, believe that he's the Son of God, died for your sin, received that sacrifice, humbled yourself to do that, make him Lord of your life, can be saved and can have a relationship with God 24-7, seven days a week, as often as you want. And... And you get to go into the throne room of God anytime you want by way of whispering the name of Jesus. And the Bible says you can come boldly into the throne room of God to find grace. And you can call him Abba, Father, which means Daddy. It means it's a term. Now God's not, not, God's not so far away and you can't even pronounce his name. Which And before they only had uh, the consonants and no vowels because you couldn't pronounce his name. But now you can go to God anytime you want and come boldly to him and call him Daddy. Somebody say Amen. Aren't you glad that daddy's in the house today? Hey. So now we've been grafted in. So all that God promised Abraham thousands of years before, thousands of years before Jesus, that promise, those promises now come to us by way of Christ. Take time. It's a short book called Galatians. Take time and read that and study that and find out that to be true and you'll give you more revelation. But church, God wants to bless you. Just turn to your neighbor and say, he wants to bless you. And he wants to make you great. And I'll talk about that in a moment. But it's not an automatic. It's not that I get saved and bam, my name is great and I, the blessing is now flowing in my life. The potential of those things are all, all there and can happen pretty quickly. But it's not an automatic because everything in this life hinges on one thing that God put in the earth. And that's called our faith. And at some point, we're going to have to believe God so much that we actually activate God's word by obeying what God has to say. I love you, but I don't necessarily always love your opinion. You should have said amen a little louder than that. I love you, but I'm not necessarily, I'm not necessarily uh, enthralled by, the, by your opinions. In other words, what I'm saying by that is I'm saying I'm going to hold God's word standard above my opinion and above your opinion. And by the way, I prophesy, I'm prophetic. That's great. Praise God for that. And uh, God used me that way. That's wonderful. But I'm here to tell you, if I start prophesying out of my agenda and out of my opinion, I don't care if I put thus saith the Lord on or not, God is not obligated to do what I say. He's only obligated to do what he says. And therefore, I must be obedient. So watch this. I said, watch this. Faith is believing something so much that you do it. Because faith without works is dead. Well, I believe, Pastor. Well, uh, I just believe God's uh, called me to be, start a business. Okay, great. 
That's been five years now. You've been saying the same thing. I just believe. As if a business is going to drop out of heaven and show up in your driveway and you're going to become the, you know, the, the, the president, CEO of a company overnight. That's not how this works. So God drops a word in your spirit. That word carries life. I'm way away from what I was going to talk about today. But just let me just float with the Holy Ghost here for just a moment. That word has life, pneuma. And it has life and it goes in your spirit. Now it's alive in you. Now you believe that God's given you something so much that the first thing you'll do out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth does speak. So whatever you believe is coming out your mouth. I can spend five minutes with you and tell you what you believe. And some of y'all are going to be shocked. It ain't God's word most of the time. It's circumstantial evidence. It's, uh, it's, it's your, your emotions and how you feel that day or what you think's happening in the news or whatever. And that comes up. Now we know what's in your heart. That's why the Bible says, guard your heart. Guard or out of it. Spring the issues of life. Toda is the word issues in Hebrew. And it means borders or boundaries. Y'all didn't hear me. So whatever's in my heart creates the borders or the boundaries of my life. And if I've got a three by five heart, I'm only going to have a three by five life. But if I can believe God and trust God for a 25 by 25 heart, y'all hear me so far? I can have a 25 by 25 life. If I believe that a God can give me a 200 by 200 heart, it stretches my life beyond my limitations. Somebody say Amen. That was all free. That wasn't even in my notes. Hallelujah. Y'all liking this so far? So faith without works is dead. At some point, I speak it, and then that creates the path for me to walk on. But if I'm unwilling to walk on the path to obey God's word of what he said for me to do, it doesn't matter how much I believe, it still will not come to pass. Belief and faith are not the same thing. Belief is only one aspect of faith. The other aspect is works. I feel like I do the rest of this in tongues. And faith manifests in your obedience to God. That's when it works and it manifests in his word as well. So faith is required for your victory. So the prerequisite of victory is always going to be my faith. Not belief, but belief so much that I work it out, even when it looks like it's against all odds, like it's an impossibility. But didn't the word say that God is the God of impossibilities, that with man it's impossible, God, all things are possible? Mm. Statement. You were not meant to be engaged in a long, drawn-out fight. And that's why so many of you are worn out is because you've been in the same fight for, for four, five, six, ten years and thinking, God, is it ever going to happen when it should have happened in six months, not six years? It all hinges down to what we believe God is capable of doing through our lives. Because we can believe sometimes that God will do it through them, but we have a hard time believing that God will do it through us. But when God, we make that decision, what happens to us is this. We, we recognize if God be for us, who can be against us? So when I'm fighting, because everybody has a battle. Everybody goes through a time of fighting, but not long, drawn-out battles for year after year because it will wear you down. But when you recognize that God's already made you the winner... I would call that a good fight. Every fight I had when I was a kid, if I knew I could win, that was a good fight. 
It was the ones I wasn't sure about or the ones I knew I was sure about that I couldn't win, but Jeff Pruitt just had to pop off his mouth anyways. Those are the ones you can't win. Hallelujah. Your mouth is, you know, gets you in trouble for things that you can't back up. But the truth of the matter is, is every fight that I knew I got in that I could win, I called that a good fight because I walked into it with no fear. I knew I had a good shot. This is probably sounding terrible. It's all in the flesh, but that was back in the day. I had a good shot of whipping that boy. Come on. So I knew that it was going to be a good fight. Well, check it out. Every fight that God draws you in, not the fight you draw yourself into, that one you better back out real fast. You ever see that Homer Simpson emoji? That gif, or gif, what do they call him? And he backs up into the hedges real slow. That ought to be you in the fights that you start. Get out of Dodge. But the ones, come on, the ones that God draws you to, and he will, means he trusts you more than you think you can trust yourself and he'll back you, and his angels are with you, and it's a good fight because it's a fight you can win, and the Bible calls it the good fight of faith. The good fight of faith. When I believe and put my action in what God's called me to do, I know I can win that war. Look at Luke chapter 18, verse number one. Then he spoke a parable to them, that men, speaking of Jesus now, that men ought always to pray, always ought to pray and not lose heart, saying, there was a certain city in it, a judge who did not fear God nor regard man. Now there was a widow in that city, and she came to him saying, get justice from me, from my adversary. And he would not for a while. He's a judge. He don't have to take her case. His, her case isn't even before him. She's running to him in the grocery store. I know you're a judge. You can change the situation. Get me some justice here. He's like, woman, I ain't got time for this. And then it says, and he would not for a while. But afterward, he said within himself, though I do not fear God, nor regard man, yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her. Lest by her continually coming to me, she weary me. And Jesus said, then the Lord said, hear what the unjust judge said, and shall God not avenge his own elect? who cry out day and night to him. God loves his people, loves his children. This God has no respect for anybody but himself. Will God not avenge his own elect who cry out night and day to him, though he bears long with them? I tell you, he will avenge them how? Speedily, suddenly. Nevertheless, when the son of man comes, will he really find faith on the earth. Every single thing about what Jesus just said hinges upon your faith. The woman had faith in an unjust judge. She knew he was the only one that can relieve her of her problem. She was, he was the only one that had the authority and she did not care how she looked in front of him or her peers or anyone else. She was on the way to getting her victory. Her faith kept telling her, this is my moment in time and I don't care about people's opinions. I don't care what you write about me on social media. I don't care what you talk about me at the coffee shop. I'm on my way to getting a miracle and a breakthrough from God. Somebody shout yes! Hallelujah! This is the kind of faith that God said, that Jesus spoke to. I'm telling you, he said, that's for an unjust person. How much more? 
that when you cry out to God day and night, he sees your cry, hears your prayer, and he will attend to what's going on in your world, and he will rescue you. How? Speedily. Faith will cause you to hyper-focus on the answer, not the problem. We get so wrapped up in the problem, Elder Peter. We, 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 we think that that's the only way, and there's only one way, and we got to deal with that. And, and God may say, i got a whole different way, uh, another set of rules, uh, a different playbook that I want to use on this situation. I want you to hyper-focus on the answers, my answers, my word, what I said, because what I say goes. And that woman did the same. She hyper-focused on the answer until she got the solution. In fact, faith sees no problems at all. Okay, y'all, now that's another level right there. That's another, that's one that, that's one that I'm always working on. I'm working on it constantly because, because there's always problems that arise and, and, and my faith isn't right there quite yet. I know how to get back. I'm gonna teach you just a moment how to do this. But, but the, the point of the matter is, is sometimes I'm not right there. But faith never sees a problem. It only sees a challenge. A problem many times will be put to you in a way that you can't overcome it. Unless, you know, some knight in, on riding on a white horse comes riding in and can solve it, got all the money in the world, all the power in the world to do it. That's the only way we can see it can happen. But faith goes further than the problem and looks at everything as just a challenge. In other words, this challenge is gonna make me stronger. It's gonna make me better, not bitter. It's gonna give me an opportunity to see that God's able to do what he said he can do. I'm telling you, everything wrapped up about what's going on in your world, and there's something about putting, there's something about putting the pressure on it. Instead of the issue putting pressure on you, you're supposed to put pressure on the issue. Because he said the gates of hell shall not prevail. Well, gates don't attack you. You're called to attack the gates. You put the pressure. You be on offense. Every day of your life, you wake up and you give the devil hell and tell him, you know, you got a problem. I don't have the problem. You got the problem today. Why? I woke up. How many remember back in the day uh, they had something called a record player? I hear they're making a comeback, but those that don't know anything about it, you, you, if you ever find one, you can't put a CD on it and play something. You can't, just so you know, even though it's round, you can't do that. But there's something also called records. And a record back in the day was something that, you know, uh, that you had to you'd have if you wanted to listen to your favorite band or your favorite music, no matter what it is. They would record it on a record. And, and even though there's uh, tape, tape still wasn't as good as, as the, 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 the sound, uh, uh, the true sound that comes from a record. So, man, people would go out and they buy the stereo system and they had the components and then they go out and get the special needles that you put on the end of the, on top of the, on, on the end of the, the, um, the arm that went into the grooves of the record and, and it would have a certain sound and you would 
would take care of them. They had a dust cover. And then you always put your, you know, you put your records nice inside the little sheath that goes inside of the cardboard case that, you know, to make it really nice and special. Why? Because you didn't want to get a scratch on the record. Because the moment you got a problem like that, what happens is that the song, you play the song and it begins to skip. Y'all remember that? And so, and you know, oh no, I lent this record out to so-and-so or that, they were the last person, they didn't take care of it, maybe it was you yourself and you didn't notice it, but you scratched the record and now you got a problem. But we learned to solve the problem. Y'all might not remember this, but what you would do is you get a stack of pennies and you'd stick those pennies on the end of that arm and that would cause enough weight, watch this, or enough pressure enough pressure to be applied to keep that needle in the groove. So sometimes we end up blaming what's going on in life because we find that we're, we're in a place of pressure. But when you're walking in faith, pressure isn't the problem. Pressure becomes the solution and keeps your life in the groove. Come on, somebody say amen. Just look at somebody and say, stay in the groove. Come on. Because <laughs> no matter what, we will win. We will win. I said we will win. Second Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14 says, Now thanks be to God, who always, how often? Always leads us in triumph. That's victory. That's breakthrough in Christ. So you cannot lose with Jesus. You'll always win with Christ. No matter the crisis, the Christ will cause you to overcome. I want you to look at Deuteronomy chapter number two, please. And verse number one. Chapter two, verse one. Then we turned and journeyed into the wilderness of the way of the, of the Red Sea, as the Lord spoke to me. And we skirted Mount Seir for many days. Skirting the same issue every single day. Can't get rid of it. Every day it shows up. Keep going around the mountain around the mountain and around the mountain. And the Lord spoke to me saying, you have skirted this mountain long enough. I truly believe God is saying it to his people right now, to you right now where you're at. You have been going around this circumstance long enough. You've been dealing with this issue long enough. You've been dealing with that health concern long enough. Turn northward, northward, and command the people saying, you are about to pass through the territory of your brethren the descendants of Esau, who live in Seir, and they will be afraid of you. Therefore, watch yourselves carefully. Do not meddle with them, for I will not give you any of their land. No, not so much as one footstep, because I have given Mount Seir to Esau as a possession. So you're going to walk through a territory where people think it's theirs, but God says, I'm going to give you yours. Don't worry about what they have. Don't look don't look at what other people are, don't look at what other people are saying they've got. And then you start thinking, you start going through a list of things that you don't have. Start feeling bad. We get competitive. We start getting, comparing one another. We go on social media and they're, they're, they got the best vacations. They got the best looking kids. They got the best clothes. They're always doing something special. That's one second in a picture. You don't know the fight they had before and after Y'all don't want to talk today? All right. People are people. Life is life. Somebody say amen. God wants to give you your own victories. 
You don't have to ride on the skirt tails of somebody else. You shall buy food from them with money. He's saying, not their money, with your money. I want to bless you. I want you to have your own that you may eat and that you may also buy water from them with money, your own money, that you may drink. Sometimes he'll give you water out of the rock and sometimes he'll give you the money to buy the water. Still, God is your source. If God chooses to do something supernatural and, 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 and just gives you a check in the mail to take care of your bills, wonderful. He may give you a side job and that might be the way God does it that way, but however God does it, he's still the source. And we should thank him for that. For the Lord your God has blessed you. And, and by the way, can I prophesy right now? I just heard something from the Lord. Tell the people to get ready for supernatural uh, uh, increase in their finances. Um, I just, I played it out in my head for two seconds and like the Lord answered it. I said, yes, Lord, I should tell them that, that not to look for that check in the mail. But the truth is, I just heard the Lord said, tell them to look for the check in the mail. Something special is about to happen for you. Ooh, Jesus. Why not? He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He said, the gold is mine, the silver is mine, says the Lord. He walks on streets of gold. God ain't broke. Come on, he is what? Jehovah Jireh. His provision shall be seen. He's El Shaddai. He's more than enough. And he said, you're joint heirs with Christ and heirs of God's throne. Whatever he promised Jesus, he's got to give to you. Shh. I receive, Lord, in Jesus' name. For the Lord your God has blessed you. He has what? Blessed. I'm too blessed to be stressed. What's that song, that Waymaker song we sing at the end there? And what's that little, that little thing we do at the end, the little bridge? Yeah. Even when I don't see or feel that you're working, I never stop. You never stop working. You never stop. Whoa. I, I was crying. I'm like, yes, Jesus. That's faith. That, for those that couldn't hear it, the song goes, um, uh, even when you can't feel that it's working, even though you can't see it's working, he never stopped. He never stopped working. That's what God does. I, they, they couldn't hear that, but that's what God does. All right, for God has blessed you, church. Get this in your spirit. That means he has empowered you to prosper. Does prosper mean money? No, but it includes it. Prosper means to do well to go over any obstacle and to arrive at your destination or get into your destiny. Yes, blessed means it's all-inclusive, including your finances. God has blessed you in all the work of your hand. He knows you're trudging through this great wilderness. He knows what you've been going through. He knows what you've been up against. He sees the injustice that's been done. He knows you should have got that position. He knows you were robbed out of this and that. He knows everything. He sees it. These 40 years, the Lord your God has been with you. He's, he, and watch this. And you have lacked for nothing. All those years, God said, I want you to remember, I gave you that water out of the rock. 
I was the one that sent by the angels, the angels' food called manna, and every day you ate sweetness every single day of your life. I was the one that caused your clothes to never wear out for 40 years, the Bible says, and for 40 years the sand, the, their, their sandals never wore out. I was the one that protected you from the sun with the cloud. It was the first air conditioning system for a million people plus people. I was the one that kept you warm at night with a fiery pillar that led your way in the wilderness, and you had light and you had warmth every single night. I was the one that sent quail when you asked for meat. I was the one that defeated your enemies and they wanted to kill you and you were defenseless out there and I diverted it every single time. I'm the one that spared you. I'm the one. He lacked for nothing. You lacked for nothing. Now, I want to connect the dots here. Let's connect the dots. Let's look at Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. Genesis 12, verse 1. That is not the time. I rebuke it by faith in Jesus' name. Let me have a couple more minutes. Now the Lord has said to Abram, get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great and you shall be a blessing. The whole idea of me being blessed and my name being great is that I may have an avenue to bless others. I'm blessed to be a blessing. I can have three Corvettes if I can afford three Corvettes, but that's not really God's person. He's not against it. But I may be missing the whole mark here by feeding my own belly and not taking care of other people's issues because now I'm in a place to be able to do something. I'm blessed to be a blessing. Doesn't that make sense? He said he'll make your name great. When he talks about the name, the name was important in those days because the name was several things. It was you. It represented you, your life, and your legacy. So when he says, I'm going to make your name great, he said, I'm going to make you great. I'm going to make your life great, and I'm going to make your legacy great. Statement, the fight, the battle you wage is what makes you great. Not the things that you can do well, but the the true greatness comes out of the, the times where it looked like you weren't going to make it out of a certain situation. You were in over your head and a battle raged against you and yet somehow you made it to the other side. Now the person that makes it to the other side is convinced I could not have done this without God. But to everybody else, it puts you in a different category and they start looking to you because you walk through something similar that they're now currently walking through and they want to know how did you get over it. Your job is to say, I can tell you a few things that I did in the natural, but the number one thing I did, I made Jesus Lord of my life and Lord of my decisions every single day of my life and I leaned on him. And I want you to know something. I am an idiot. I couldn't couldn't have fixed this for nothing. But my God, oh, he has all the wisdom and knowledge. The only thing I've ever done smart in my whole life is trust him and do what he asked me to do. So it's a battle that makes your name great, makes your legacy strong. And so if you're always trying to get out of battles, you'll never, and you can. You can just avoid them if you want to. But you'll, it's, it'll be like you're in a constant battle that you don't acknowledge. But you can win, be in them and win and have your name great. David uh, faced Goliath. Am I right about that? He faced Goliath. And the Bible says, the Bible says that, they, that Saul had put out there, any man who defeats this great warrior, Goliath, he will win my daughter. I would have first asked, let me take a look at it real quick first, but maybe everybody knew, I mean, I don't know. But, um, <laughs> and then, just a quick look. Uh, and then, 
he said, uh, he said that, that anybody who, who, not only that, you'll have my daughter, you'll come and live in my palace or in my kingdom with me. And thirdly, you'll never pay taxes again. How many would like to have that? Never pay taxes again. That's worth it right there. So he defeats David and his name is great. How do you know? Remember as they're walking back into town and the people begin to sing a song? That mess was Saul big time. By the way, I got a whole message I'm going I'm to preach uh, next week about this, uh, not this particular situation, but about Saul. <laughs> and they said, Saul has killed his thousands, but David has killed his tens of thousands. His name was great. He hadn't killed tens of thousands yet, but his name became like a legend in the community and the legacy of it went forth. How? Due to the battle he was willing to fight on behalf of God. How do you know he did it on behalf of God? He said, how dare you defy the armies of the living God as God lives this day. He will put you into my hand. So he's giving God credit the whole way right before he kills you. Praise God. He didn't just kill him. He told him how you're going to die. That's That's... That's gangster. Come on, that's gangster. <laughs> but sad to say, church, that most church folks, they come to be babied. They come to church to be babied. Not here at Faith Bills. We got some mature people, but I'm talking about overall. We're trying to grow people up and get them mature in Christ. But a lot of people come to church and they pout. They pout just to get their way. Upset if they don't get called on. Upset if someone didn't shake their hand. Mm. Somebody sat in my seat. Uh, somebody took my, we got a nice crowd here today and, and we had no parking and so we had to park. Uh, I wanted to park over here, not in front of the, I had to walk all the way around. Whatever the case might be, they pout. It's like the children come to church and say, now mom and dad, I'm gonna need you to act right today. And don't, don't be throwing a fit if the pastor says something you don't like. And I don't want to hear from you just going, mm, making noises and grunting uh, when, when, the, when the offering's been taken. Now, you be good now. And then afterwards, we'll take you out and get you some ice cream. <laughs> I kind of feel like <laughs> that's what happens. Church, we're supposed to be men and women of God. I get it. We get our feelings hurt. I've gotten my feelings hurt plenty of times. I get it. But we get over it because we're mature. Paul said, when I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became mature, when I became a man, I intentionally put childish things away. I still see it, and it's kind of weird. And I, I, I got, I, it kind of helps me correct my own life. And I'll see older people, you know older people, talking about elderly, and bickering and fight with each other at the mall or standing in line somewhere, and they're fighting with each other. I'm thinking, my God, you're acting like you're 25 still. Trying to, each of them trying to get their own way. I thought, this is, it's kind of funny, but it's kind of gross at the same time. You know, <laughs> certainly at some stage in life, you should just grow up. Church is not a daycare center for adults. Mm. Play with your toys nicely. I'll put you in timeout. Church is headquarters for military strategy and defeating the enemy. Y'all should have shouted right about there. Because we're dealing with stuff. The mature people of God are dealing with life and death situations. So we're not here to burp you. We're not here to force feed you. We're not, we're not here to change your diaper and put a binky in your mouth. 
We're looking for warriors that are ready to learn strategies from heaven to kick down the gates of hell and get the people out of hell and get them into heaven in the name of Jesus. I've heard people say, man, and, 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 and not everybody says this, but sometimes this happens, though. And, and they'll say, you know, I, I was doing, I joined the church, and I, it's like all hell broke out. I was doing just fine when I was out there in the world, but the moment I came to Jesus and joined your church, it was like all hell. That ought to be anticipated. Why do we try to pretend to tell people that Jesus is going to come in your life and everything's going to be perfect? Nothing's going to be perfect after Jesus comes in your life. Trust me, Jesus brings a division. Jesus makes you stand on one side and say, I'm not going to be on that side anymore. And when you do that, people get upset about it. And the devil will attack you. You know, we need, we need not that it happens every single time, but I've seen people say that since I joined the church, it's like all hell broke out in my life. And I say, hang in there. I'm praying with you. And guess what? In a couple weeks after they say it, everything's done and gone, and they go on to another level altogether. Mark 4.14 says, the sower sows the word, and these are the ones by the wayside where the, where the word was sown. Uh, when, they, when they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. So the first thing you need to understand, the devil fights you because he knows that you're going to get preached to the word of God at Faith Builders, and you're going to get something you can live with, and the word will bless you and cause you to take back everything that belongs to God. So in other words, yes, the, the devil comes like the form of that black raven coming down there trying to grab that, that, that seed that's been sown. Of course that's what he's going to do. Of course he's going to battle you over what? The true word of God. We, at our church, are taking back people, purposes, priorities, and positions. People, purposes, priorities, and positions. So let's say amen. Mark chapter 4, 16. These likewise are the ones sown on stony ground who when they hear the word immediately receive it with gladness. Watch that. That's great, right? But they have no root in themselves. And so endure only for a time afterward when tribulation and persecution arises. After per tribulation and persecution arise for the word's sake. It's not coming against you personally. It's coming against the word that you're standing for and standing with. Immediately they will stumble. The word tribulation in, in that passage there simply means hardship. And people say, why does it got to be so hard? Well, it wouldn't be. Except for there is a devil. I'm not here to give the devil any kind of credence today. I'm not trying to magnify the devil, but we are in a fight. And to pretend like he doesn't exist and we don't have to engage him is absolutely erroneous. Absolutely erroneous. You are going to have to fight the devil. But the good news is he's under your feet. Start with the premise that you're already going to win. Bind him in the name of Jesus. Every time something's abnormal in your home that goes against the peace of God in your house, take that as a sign the devil's at work and bind the devil. Say, devil, you ain't got no power, no authority. When your children come to you and have a nightmare, you say, devil, you get out of my child's room. Never again will he have another nightmare. I bind you in the name of Jesus. I plead the blood of the lamb. Tribulation means hardships. The enemy's always trying to bring hardships. And the second thing he said there, that persecutions would arise. 
persecution. So let me tell you, those two things, hardship and persecution, if you're not careful, will bring discouragement. When you're in a battle so long and you can't see the light of day, it's going to bring that persecution and hardship is going to bring discouragement. And discouragement will work overtime on your faith. It'll get you to think that it's not possible. Yes, you still believe in God, but you're having a hard time believing that God's going to deliver you out of the situation. I can only tell you one way to do this. My time is limited. You must, doing what you're doing today, the house of God is imperative. Tune it in and get in the word of God, imperative. Get in your Bible and break in that, just go ahead, blow the dust off that sucker and start reading it. And I would would say, it's great, you got your iPad, so get an old-fashioned paper Bible. And look at, and you can circle it and write little notes next to it. And, and it stays in your Bible. You can relook at it. There's something about But the word of God will do what? It will build your faith because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. First Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. No temptation has overtaken you except such as common to man. But God is faithful. Isn't he not faithful? Who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. Thank you, Jesus. But with the temptation, he didn't say take the temptation away from you, but with it will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Another translation says this, you will never face anything that you will not overcome. No matter what you face, God's already made a way. (laughs) The way. I said the way. He's got 49,000 ways to get you out of the problem, but he's got one for you in that moment. And all you have to do is hear that one. Faith overcomes every negative circumstance. But you've got to build up the faith. You've got to build it up. You've got to build it up. One of the ways that you build it up as well is you have to have a pastor or prophet that will stand up flat-footed and tell you, this is what thus says the Lord. I'm going to give you a word today for you. Simple. Thank you. Love you too. You've been in this fight long enough. Hear the word of the Lord. Tomorrow is not your time for victory. Today is the day of salvation. Who can receive that? And your God is delivering you today, right now. Not somewhere in the future, but today. And the fight has already been won 2,000 years ago. Now by faith, receive your victory in the name of Jesus. Claim it today. Come on. Come on. Woo! You got to be like my little Italian mother. When you go into war, trust me, she may give you a hard time because she's going to tell you the truth whether you want to hear it or not. You might not like that, but when it comes to war, you're going to want her in the foxhole with you. Because mama never played games. She always said this, my yes is my yes and my no is my no. Don't ask me again or I'll whoop your behind. My mother didn't play. I don't care if she was on the telephone. She'd be like, yes, girl. Oh, yes, praise the Lord. We're going to pray. We're going to bind the dead. Yes, the Lord is good. Hold on just a second. Shoe come off. Pew! Cross the room. Hit me in the back of the head. I will kill you, and then I will raise you back from the dead. My mother didn't play. Grocery store. This is back in the 70s, so you could whip your kids in the grocery store. 
We were actually at the, at the uh, theater the other night, and a family came in, and the kids were being kids. You know, kids, and, and now my grandparents don't bother me, but these, these kids were acting up a little bit, getting kind of rowdy, and boy, they got one. Boy, they got a whooping right there. <laughs> I'm laughing. It's still funny to me. But uh, I thought, just let them alone. They're just being kids. But I thought, at least somebody believes in punishing. My mother believed in punishing, y'all, with the belt. Hallelujah. Amen. Or a switch. Praise God. Either one she was in the mood for. But I'll tell you something. When you're, when you're in a fight, you go to win. You have to say, my yes is my yes, and my no is my no. Devil, you're not allowed in my home. You're not allowed in my finances. You're not allowed in my health. And my mom always said, don't make me look like an animal. I'm sorry, mom, if you're watching. Amen. But you did beat me. Hallelujah. Amen. I'm going to close right here. I'm going to close right here. And probably, I probably shouldn't even say this, but I'm going to leave it right here. But I need to just say, church, you can't put up with being broke month after month after month. I can't help it. That's all I get paid. Well, again, you're looking at your natural circumstances. You got to say, I, 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 you can't say, I, I'm grateful I have a job for now, but I know God's going to supply he said he'll supply all my needs according to his riches glory. That means it's not fair in the world when favor comes to me by the other world called heaven. So God wants to favor me and bless me above what I'm even currently um, uh, right, should rightfully have. Because that's what favor is. Favor is above what you can earn. It's just that he chose you. He chose you. He chose you. He chosen you. I didn't finish uh, all the grades. Hallelujah. Cho what is it? Cho he chose you. He chose you. There we go. <laughs> Something's wrong here if week after week, month after month, we don't have enough to meet our bills. That's not to shame you. That's, this is to encourage you. There's a whole different system that God wants to lay on you called the kingdom of God. That's not what God's word promises for you not to have enough. He said you can have more than enough. And what you don't hate, you end up to tolerate what you don't hate you tolerate and church all it takes is faith all it takes is you to believe trust God that the blessing of God is not just for so and so the pastor or that person over there but the blessing is also for me and for my family and I can't earn it anyway so I'm not going to try to earn it I'll never be good enough that's another thing too I think that stops us more than anything is condemnation thinking that we've sinned so bad, we've messed up so bad, certainly when I get my life in order, then God will bless. And there's some truth to the fact that you should get your life in order with God. But when you understand about God, I can tell you, I don't know how this works always, but I can tell you there have been people who didn't know God that begged God for mercy, and his blessing came because they asked him. And they didn't even know him. They had no relationship with Jesus Christ. He had no obligation to do it, but there's something about him. He's so in love with us that when we cry out to him, he comes. How many can say, before you came to Christ, especially right before you came to the Lord, there were times he was answering prayers for you, and you didn't even know God. That's the mercy of God. He wants to bless. It's not due to how good I am. It's the fact that I, I rely on him by faith. And God begins to do the rest. Somebody say amen. Did you enjoy that this morning? Hey, start asking big. Start thinking big. Start talking big.